for the most entertaining talk anywhere. Stay tuned to L.A. Talk Radio, your real talk station, with 24 hours of commercial-free programming. Hey, hey, hey. You're listening to The Green Room. This is Johnny Pemberton, and I'm trapped in here. It's not good. Shit like a homeless man trying to change his life. We do it so fresh. And we do what the fuck we want to do. Yo. The Green Room is brought to you today by Amazon. Log on to shantigreen.com and click the Amazon link to access their amazing catalog of t-shirts and apparel. And now, live from Sherman Oaks, California, the host of The Green Room, Sean Green. All right, everyone. Welcome to the Green Room. We're doing it live here on latalkradio.com. Thank you, everyone, for tuning in. We got a, uh, we really have a great show for you in store. We got amazing guests coming up uh, later on the program. We'll of course be hearing from our in-house movie reviewer Stud Manley. He'll be breaking down the Oscars for us. We have comedian Ed Greer who'll be on in just a second. But of course, I'd like to introduce the voice of the Green Room, my left-hand man, Logan Lysico. Logan, thanks for being on the show. Thank you, Sean. Oh man, no uh no intro, just a thank you, Logan. Yeah. All right. Fair enough. Man, we have <laughs> we have a ton of uh stuff to get in into today. We uh well, for, uh, let's uh, bring on Ed Greer. Ed, thanks for being on the show, man. <laughs> yeah, I was texting. Oh, okay. <laughs> who you uh who you texting? You know, people. <laughs> no. Some, uh, I like some the chicks. Ed Greer tease, by the way. We're going to bring up Ed Greer in just a minute. So, how are you doing today, Logan? Good. Well, and I thought, now, Ed Greer. <laughs> well, I thought, you know, normally Logan has some slogan or catchphrase that we riff off for a while, but he right, just right said now. thank you. Yeah, I know, man. The well, well ran dry for Logan. What? Yeah, no catchphrase. I know. No, but uh, it's been a really eventful week, man. Yeah, no, there's a uh, there's a ton of stuff going on. I think uh, first and foremost, we got to get into this Charlie Sheen, Charlie Sheen stuff. Charlie Sheen as apparently, what's going on, Logan? I don't know. You hear that? Is that mine? Yeah, I don't know. Uh, do one of these. The beeping? Yeah, one yeah, of these I'm mics sorry. is getting some um, feedback or something. Oh, do you have your? Uh, oh, maybe pick up your headphones there, Ed. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. Let's <laughs> All right, we got it. We got to figure it out. I think yeah, I think the microphones were picking up the headphones there. All right, so Charlie Sheen has um, looks like they're letting him go off uh, two and a half men. It actually looks like uh, they're they're stopping the entire show. Two and a half men. They're closing down production. Sounds like CBS is just canceling the show. He went off on another tirade or, you know, this time he was, um, the tabloids have it that he was hanging out with a couple porno stars on a 100-foot yacht while doing a screening of Jaws. Him and a couple, I mean. Ah, that's awesome. <laughs> I mean, I'm I mean, sorry. That's great. That the, is and cool. a couple weeks before, he was hanging out with Lenny Dykstra screening his own movie, Major League. So it's in a weird way, like he is kind of living this sweet party life, but then he, I guess, uh, the final straw here was him going off on uh, the creator of Two and a Half Men, and now the the creator of Two and a Half Men refuses to write any more episodes of Two and a Half Men, which I don't know. I, I imagine can't, they could find a replacement to write a Two and a Half Men episode. I feel like, and uh, the the world would still go on. I don't understand why. You know why CBS is canceling the show? Like, what? It, it, who are well, you maybe punishing? Maybe out of their hands. Maybe he owns the show. Maybe he. Own, 
Well, some, if it's some Chuck shows Lurie, the production company owns it in the network. Yeah, yeah, if it's Chuck Lorre himself that that made a really great deal or something and really yeah. owns the show, he he could kind of just shut it down if he wants to. But I would love to see, uh, you know, the what's it, John Cryer? Is that the guy? Yeah. I'd love to see the Cryer and the kid move in with Emilio Estevez. <laughs> yeah. I think that's just like, yeah. all right, one of these Sheens has to be all right, or just alternate back between Martin Sheen and Emilio Estevez. Exactly. Or just Emilio say, would just get along with John Cryer's character though. They'd be best friends. Like, oh wow, this is very, this is very pleasant. They would, they'd just be dancing on banisters <laughs> while they were high and stuff. Yeah, the kid Breakfast would learn club. hockey. Yeah, exactly. Go state. But uh, here's some here's some clips of uh, Charlie Sheen. This was a couple weeks back. This is after his first kind of binge of uh, allegedly a lot of cocaine and hanging out with the prostitutes. He resurfaces. He does a uh, anti-drug speech at the UCLA baseball uh, team. He delivers the anti-drug speech to the UCLA <laughs> baseball team, and then he calls it. I guess his whole catchphrase was, "Hey, don't don't smoke crack, drink chocolate milk." And he has. I guess he has a sense of humor about it. He called into the Dan Patrick show. It's a great interview. It's definitely worth checking out. But this uh, this clip in particular really stood out. I've been some problems lately, and this and that. And I'm sort of notorious for, you know, surfacing. Uh, you know, going deep undercover, deep underground. Uh, <laughs> so I, I, I said, um, stay away from the crack, which I think is pretty good advice. Unless you can manage it socially, Dan. If you can manage it socially, then go for it. But not a lot of people can, you know. <laughs> I can. Did you so think you could? Did, okay. Sorry. Did you think you could? Yeah, yeah, but that kind of that kind of blew up in my face. Uh, like you... an exploding crack pipe, Dan. <laughs> <laughs> <Sorry>. <laughs> It's it's weird to have uh, such a sense of humor about such a kind of dark, morbid drug. All right, uh, looks like we got a uh, caller here. This person keeps trying to call in. Caller, you're on the green room. Uh, what's your name? Where are you calling from? Uh, hello, I'm the same person which called like uh, an ago from India. You're from India? Yeah, yeah. I, uh, yes, I called now, like an ago. Okay, so you're from India. How would you hear about the program? No, no, I thought uh, uh, this girl, Debbie and Ryan, the oh. actor from Sweet Life on Deck. Oh, okay. Yeah, no, I, are you talking about girls? Is that what you were trying to call in? Yeah, I thought uh, the, 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 she's the actor from Sweet Life on Deck. Oh, okay. The show on Disney. <laughs> okay. Thought, oh, yeah, uh, that's, that's uh, me. How's it going, buddy? Yeah, she's actually she's actually here now. Do you have a question for her? Yeah, she's there. Yeah, uh, ask away. What uh, what question do you want to know of this Disney actress? Uh, no, I, uh, there's a Facebook account of hers. I thought it was real, so I thought why not to give a try to call. Okay. So it was yours. Oh, wait a minute. I'm I'm her yeah, agent. I'm her agent. Uh, what what Facebook account, sir? Uh, we're trying to manage her image. What what Facebook <laughs> account did you uh, log into, sir? Baby and Ryan. Okay. Well, uh, sir, I can't I can't really understand you, but uh, I don't know what I don't know who you're trying to talk to. This is the green room with Sean Green. We got a Logan here. We got a comedian Ed Greer. So. Oh, that was great. Ed Greer was just making faces at me the whole time. He would duck away from his <laughs> microphone and make faces at me. Well, yeah, I mean, we're we're hoping maybe I, I don't know. I kind of wanted to. How did he? Who is this actress? Who is he trying to get a hold of? Did you understand yeah. anything he was saying? Well, no, I tried to act like I was who he was looking for, but I guess it was a woman. <laughs> I don't know. No, it was a Disney. Yeah, I heard, I understood. It was a Disney actress. 
he went onto a Facebook account thinking he could talk to this person. Right. It turned out to be a fake account, and he wanted <laughs> retribution on the air. <laughs> okay. Yeah, I mean, I kind of got what was going on. I didn't, I didn't really fully understand oh, sounds- who, who he was trying to talk to, exactly what he was trying to get to the bottom of. Like uh, he he was saying that I'm trying to stalk this lady legitimately, <laughs> yeah, basically. and somebody has thrown a roadblock in my path. Could you remove this, please? Can I talk to her directly and then get her real? That's weird. Right. No. Yeah. He was uh, he was trying to track down some Disney celebrity. Didn't work out. So uh, best of luck to you, sir, in India. But now uh, on, he's a green on the machine, that's the important part. Yeah. On the recreational crack thing, though. Sure. Okay. Let's uh, get back to it. I think. I can only imagine how terrible this would have been if Michael Irvin or Flavor Flav had said <laughs> yes. this. I can only think of all the media retribution. That's my key word for this this hour. What it would have been, you know what I mean? Like, and, and not just the whole race angle, but the whole this crack. Crack is a social drug. You have to you have yeah. to be a certain level of successful to try to do crack recreationally. Right. Yeah, I mean, it didn't work for Lawrence Taylor, and it didn't. It yeah. doesn't seem to be working for uh, Charlie Sheen here. And it is kind of crazy. Why not just the Coke? Like, if you if you have money, generally you just stick to Coke. Traditionally, crack has been kind of the poor man's game. Like, oh, you get a little bit of Coke, it, you know, you package it up, it can last super long. I don't even know if Charlie Sheen was smoking crack ever. I think he was just smoking cocaine. I, I guess maybe. But still, the idea that he's he's joking around. Yeah, I think you oh, can. Yeah, yeah, you, you can, can freebase cocaine. I mean, you can smoke anything if you if you put your mind to it. <laughs> and some and I mean, that's the reality. Like, if you get something and you burn it and you inhale Dude, it and it can starts you vaporize as a drug, crack. I'm sure. I'm sure you. I I don't see why not. I don't know. I've never. I I think generally though, crackheads never get to that part. They're, they're not like potheads. Potheads are looking to like experiment and play around. Crackheads, they don't have that kind of time. <laughs> you know, you get tin, right to it. tin can, glass pipe, whatever it is, I'm getting into the crack as soon as I can. Yeah, just imagine if every time you wanted to smoke some crack, you had to take a little box and plug it in, and wait, right. till it to, wait for it right. to get to 370 <laughs> degrees, and take a little whip. Yeah, put it, you know oh, what you see, you know what much. you don't see a lot of times in a cracked end, beanbag chairs, uh, <laughs> reggae flags. People they're not. Video they're not setting an environment, all right? They're smoking crack. They're they're getting their methamphetamine so they can continue to somehow experience joy in this life. Well, that's the thing that's crazy about people who do crack, though. I was watching, <laughs> I was I was I was I was I was, I was watching bum fights one time, and they gave this guy a hit of crack, and then they put him on a bungee jump thing and made him bungee jump. And I was like, dude, he's already on crack, and he just bungee jumped. His heart is gonna explode. Yeah, extreme crackheads. And and that was like the that was dope though. Did like it look I, like he was having fun. If I ever w- wanted to smoke crack, I would bungee jump or something right after. I mean, that would be great. That'd right. be a, a I giant mean, experience. Listen, all of us, God willing, will die in our sleep, possibly of cancer or whatever. But if you're gonna go out, <laughs> if you're gonna go out in another way, why not? Why not New Zealand somewhere jumping off one of those giant bridges n- near a river, majestic beauty, your h- heart is pumping harder than it ever had, and it just – life can't contain it, and it explodes, and you have a brain aneurysm, and that's got to be kind of awkward, though you're dead, and then the dead body's like <laughs> flying up, and yeah, that's going to be like a death more yo-yo. Years on life I only went – I went bungee jumping one time in my entire life. It was – in Cancun, it was right after I graduated high school. We did a we did like a spring break kind of trip. Me and a couple of my buddies uh, after we graduated high school saved up money, went down to Cancun, had a great time, tons of making out with chicks, drinking margarita, you, you know the whole thing. And I, I'm kind of afraid of heights, but I was like, all right, fine, I'm gonna do it. I'm gonna bungee jump just kind of for the experience. Mm-hmm. 
And then you get there, and it, not only is the heights terrifying, but you you got to factor in the guys working the bungee jump operation, especially at a spring break town. <laughs> they're hanging out, they're drinking, there's garbage laying around. Like, okay, you know, if you're not going to clean up the trash around the bungee jump site, you know, I start questioning how how many times they've checked the links <laughs> right. on the on the safety strap, if the air mattress that's at the bottom is properly inflated. But I climbed up 10 stories, jumped off. It was fun. It felt like you were dying, and I'm good. I don't need to feel like I'm dying again until... You know, if I eventually die, which I'm not immortal, as far as I know. I guess I guess we'll see later I like, on. I like that clarification. He had to make it like, I am not a Highlander. I know that there's been some rumors. Yeah, but um. And 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 getting back real quick with the Charlie Sheen. Yeah. Part of it is, part of it like you want to judge and say, man, these guys are out of control. But then part of me is, he's he's. He's hooking up with Brie Olsen, this very hot adult film star, and these other chicks. He's hanging out on a giant yacht. He's getting to party with Lenny Dykstra, legendary Philadelphia Phillies. Hey, who's yeah, to say if, if I didn't have a sitcom? If you aren't going to go out of control, he's doing it the right way. <laughs> right. Well, he's, got, he's got stories to tell. Even if he comes out of it, he's not going to be unscathed. Well, and he's going to probably regret being on crack, but he'll, <laughs> he'll, he'll still have a he lot of great he stories. And I don't think ultimately, you know... Maybe he doesn't he won't regret it. He doesn't really seem to regret it. This is him on the Alex Jones show. This came out today, and this is kind of the final straw, I guess, from CBS's point of view. This is just a sample of the interview, but I guess this interview in whole is really what tipped the scales into them pulling the plug. Well, I think it was Nails that said I was really, really flattered because he got it right. That, that Nails, he's referring to Lenny Dykstra, if you uh, legendary Philadelphia Phillies, New York Mets player, who's also uh, probably as crazy as Charlie Sheen. He, after his career, he got into all these odd business investments. Kind of a kind of a crazy guy. Always got, had a giant wad of chewing tobacco. You got the not, nickname. You know, he might be. Yeah, you get the, you nickname, the nickname Nails, Nails somehow. in the early '90s playing baseball. You you know you earned it. Nails, but I'm freaking bayonets, you know. <laughs> I am battle-tested bayonets, bro. And I'm, you know, I'm, I'm, I'm tired. I'm so tired of pretending like my life isn't perfect and bitching and just winning every second. And I'm not perfect and bitching and just delivering the goods at every freaking turn. Because look what I'm dealing with, man. I'm dealing with fools and trolls, you know. I'm dealing with with soft targets, and it's just. You know, it's it's just strafing runs in my underwear before my first cup of coffee because I don't have time for these clowns. <laughs> I don't have time for their judgment Jeez. and their stupidity. And, you know, they lay down with their ugly wives in front of their ugly children and just look at their loser lives. And then they look at me and they say, I can't process it. Well, no, and you never will. Stop trying. Just sit back and enjoy the show. <laughs> and, and we are. Nice. And we are, Charlie. We are. If you're going to go out and just... If you're gonna if you're gonna claim to be a winner and and winning and just embracing it, I like the idea that he's he hasn't tried to fight it yet. Maybe one day he'll he'll come to his senses and say this was all wrong. But at least he he seems to en be enjoying himself. And honestly, who who is he hurting? Well, I, I don't the, think the thing that sorry. I think I, I'm sorry, Logan, but the thing that I, I have to express right here is that you can no longer tell people that drugs and stuff will fuck your life up because Charlie Sheen is winning. <laughs> right. Charlie Sheen is winning. You know what I mean? And and there there's, there has to there has to come a time when people acquiesce to the fact that if you reach a certain level of success, you could do whatever you want as long as it doesn't hurt anybody. 
Right. And you, and you can't use them as something to say, oh, this this ruined this, this ruined that. He's not ruined. Everything is great. And he got off a crappy he's show. He's winning. Now he's going to be <laughs> yeah. in – watch, watch. He's going to get a couple movie roles as some hard-living guy and play the hell out of those like Robert Downey Jr. does. And boom, he's right back on top. He's out of the TV ghetto. He's he's off of a crummy show with this huge kid who's not even half a man <laughs> yeah, exactly. anymore. He's like a whole man. <laughs> yeah. You know what I mean? That, so that, like, that, he's that out. He sprung himself out of Shawshank. He made a soap <laughs> – he made a gun out of, uh, out of crack. You know what I mean? He, he made a soap gun out of crack. Right. And, and escaped out of the Shawshank. Yeah, I mean, he's CBS. he's in a it's a nice prison though because he's making two million a year for a CBS sitcom. It's it could be worse. It was it, about to jump the shark though, dude. It was straight right. about to jump the shark. Two more years, it would have been gone sense. anyway. He's just yeah. he's just bouncing. He dude, they're mad at him because he's Jim Brown in the situation. Right. He said, "I'm Audi." All right. <laughs> These white folks ain't gonna fuck my knees up. That's basically what Charlie Sheen is saying. He's I'm taking, a winner. He's taking the power. Yep. Yeah, yeah, he's like LeBron James. He's taking his talents to South Beach, but instead of South <laughs> Beach, it's hanging out in a uh, in a movie theater watching the movie Major League that he was in with uh, legendary <laughs> slugger Lenny Dykstra. And plus, you gotta you gotta factor in the fact that when you're Charlie Sheen, your crack and cocaine budget doesn't have to be that much because people give you. You know what I mean? People give yeah. you those those things. So if you want to just be you around know, and be you yourself, want, and that's how to get close to you. Yeah. Yep. Right in Hollywood. Yeah, I mean, uh, boobs. I, I, the crazy part is, I obviously you feel bad for the crew and stuff like that. They're maybe losing their job, but come on, they'll they'll find they'll another fine. gig. They'll be all right. Their union. The real the real victim in all this is the kid. The kid's making seven hundred fifty grand an episode. What is the hell? That's that's gotta <laughs> hurt. That's gotta be a bummer that you're no longer. Maybe maybe his contract worked out, but. Man, 17 years old or however old that kid is, 750 grand a week, and it, it, this kid could be the next Charlie Sheen because he's watching this and he's just thinking in his mind, "Look, they can't stop me. I know how to read sitcom lines." And he, his his world must be totally shaken. Like you have no idea how how lucky you are to be in that position if you kind of just grow into it. Yeah. But I'm true. I'm sure he'll be all right. I'm sure the I'm sure the yeah. kid will find. <laughs> Sure, he'll land on his feet. No. I, I don't he'll think start, he'll, he'll start hanging out with uh, Jonathan Lipnicki and uh, and uh, the Olsen twins, and everything will be great. <laughs> he des- he's destined to be a disaster, I think. Um, he's a child star. He must look up to Charlie. Yeah. Well, who? He must look. I mean, kids must think Charlie Sheen is cool. I mean, if <laughs> right. they didn't know. Yeah, what I don't, he I don't did, know. Like but... a little kid just meeting Charlie Sheen, I imagine. Well, I, I'm, I'm worried. Would, I'm worried the gold. He's a cool guy. The, cool the gold, gold teeth that he now has, maybe that might scare some <laughs> kids off. Although some kids, yeah, they seem pirates. They they're probably alright with it. Now, uh, speaking of teens, that teen is in a he's not great shape. Obviously, he's bummed. The sitcoms uh, thrown off the air. But I saw this, and a uh, unique form of parenting. This uh, teen was getting some bad grades, and the mom the mom took to the streets and did did what she could. Okay, the reason why I'm doing it because he don't want to get no education in school. And so that's why I got him standing on the corner. This is the job he wants, so he might as well start early. Until he straighten up his grades, get his education on track, he's going to work this corner. So basically... You take the phone, you take things from it, it don't work. So embarrassment is the best thing. He, he don't like to get embarrassed. So now basically what happened is a woman made the news because her son got bad grades, got a 1.22 GPA, and her solution was to send him out on the corner with a sign that says, you know, basically this is what my job's going to be if I can't if I can't uh, figure out how to get better grades. So he's standing there with a <laughs> the sign. And first off, that's a lot better than it sounds cuz 
without the visuals, I was like, did she put him on the corner? Like, yeah, no, under? sorry. Like, yeah, did she make him dress up as a girl? <laughs> I mean, that would be a story. Right. He's a pimp uh, or, you know, some other uh, horrible uh, streetwalker or something, dress it up. But the idea here is, okay, hey, this kid's not getting good grades. Let's embarrass him. I'm fine. If, if that's what you think's effective parenting, I don't, I don't know if that's necessarily going to work. I don't know if you're really going to be able to turn someone's life around like that. I think I think the thing to learn here is that a lot of times we're putting way too much pressure on grades as far as the society. Like it, The more evolved we get with technology and just in general at processing information, I don't think there's as strong of a correlation to uh, getting good grades and having a successful life, having a successful career. If the kid's not doing good at school and he's of a certain age, but this kid looked like he was in, at least in high school – Start instead of just trying to shame him into becoming a, a book, you know, really into books and really great student. I mean, how many awful students did you know in high school? How many of them just magically became great students in college and became like yeah. well-educated <laughs> professionals, doctors, lawyers? There's a certain point where, okay, uh, hey, I guess zero, but <laughs> right, book, you know, there's a certain point where, okay, if you're not getting grades, you're not trying. After a certain point, you have to realize. Okay, let's start figuring out a career. What do you like to do? What do you enjoy doing? Where's the passion? Well, I, I mean, I, I agree with that to a certain extent, but part the thing that I hate about myself is I was always that dude making that argument. And I can't say that I, you know, hate my life right now. Right. But I think it would be really sweet to be able to get a regular day job and not starve in between comedy gigs. Yeah. You know what I'm saying? To be able to go to flash a piece of paper that I earned from memorizing a bunch of crap. <laughs> right. You know what I mean? Like the just the basicness of having a degree. The basicness. I made up. See, that's what I'm talking about. <laughs> the the you, basic thing about having an your education. Edu- your college degree is paying off. No, you know, I, I yeah, hear you what you know, that that basic that basic training because it's almost like saying like, okay, do you like to not punch people? people in the face well you have to be an mma fighter we're going to start you at 15 no the world doesn't really work that way there are certain things you have to learn how to do right and one of them is remember shit and <laughs> yes. say it back to people in authority that's what you that's one of the things you have to learn how to do and once you do that you can jeet kundo the rest of your life you can learn how to do all this crazy stuff but the basics of getting an, an education are right i i, I see your point if you don't if you don't at least get a high school degree you're not kind of in the mix you're gonna yeah, fill, yeah. you're gonna you're gonna close off a lot of doors but I, yeah, yeah i think we do sh- two two is pretty low i mean if my kid was passing like i'd be like all right well <laughs> it's, it's, it's not like I'm this disappointed kid a, a little bit math. but i'm not gonna like put you through shit but i don't yeah. know 1.22 no it's, it's not like I'd, like me i, would, I had a I'd problem with math yeah. yeah, I had a problem with math, so the rest of the grades were all right. This kid, 1.22, this is a, a, <laughs> yeah, a wholesale disaster. He's he's, he's consistent, consistent D average. <laughs> I want to know what's the one what's the one thing he got to see in? Like, come on, mom, I'm great at gym, okay? Leave me alone. <laughs> yeah. Like, there's got to be something pulling up that uh, 1.22. Otherwise, it would have been a flat one if it was straight D. So the the kid's showing some promise. I, I just always, I just always, I just always enjoy the unique punishment yeah. that moms try to sort out or society. Like the judge sends him to live in a doghouse to show you know like some crazy punishments. Yeah. I mean, none of these ever really work. If you if you want a kid that's a, a good student, here's what you have to do. You have to hang out in their life a lot. You have to put a lot of time in. You have to show them how to how to read, how, teach them to to be educated, be around. 
and then follow up with their schoolwork. Well, I, I think also it's a problem with, with people saying, like, people will tell their kids, once you get an education, you can do anything. <laughs> yeah. No. Once you get an education, you're at the bottom right. level of being able to do anything. Right. right. You know what I mean? <laughs> well, and, that's and how I, people should, right. should sell it. You and know, I, you it does have open to the this. ceiling of yeah. what you could do. And I think the spectrum has changed. It used to be if you got a college degree – degree you were so far ahead of everyone else that you could kind of do anything but now since education's become way more accessible that just having a college degree is certainly not what it used to be yeah and having a high school degree is is almost like nothing now it's almost like graduating preschool at this point if you have a high school diploma good for you you know how to put squares and square holes (laughs) and (laughs) circles and circle holes good job i mean they push them along anyway i I learned from First grade to twelfth grade, every single year they taught me what a fucking adverb is. <laughs> what kid doesn't know after fucking ten years what a god? Yeah, I mean, I is. I'll tell you who taught me adverbs, Mad Libs. That's how I learned all that all that <laughs> how to conjugate a sentence. That whole came from Mad Libs. All right, enough about education. Enough about it. These guys, they don't need a lot of education. They just need to know how to score. Let's talk a little uh, NBA hoops. This is my favorite NBA theme ever. Oh, yes. If you, and it, speaking of a little YouTube fun, if you guys want to have a good time, uh, Google or throw into YouTube John Tesh live NBA theme song, and he does a a live version of this and tells the story of how he first came up with the idea for the NBA theme song, and he's rocking out this uh, – this uh, place called the Casino on Catalina Island, and he's like air dribbling and just rocking out on these <laughs> keyboards. It's it's really entertaining. All right, let's get into it, Ed. What do you think of all these NBA trades going down? We'll start off with the big one. Carmelo Anthony is going to the Knicks in a three-team, 13-player trade. The Knicks, they get uh, Car- Carmelo Anthony, Chauncey Billups. Those are the big names. Nuggets get... Uh, Raymond Felton, uh, Gallinari, they get some uh, cash, a couple first-round picks. T-Wolves are even thrown in there. They get uh, Eddie Curry, Anthony Randolph, a couple more million dollars. What do you think of the Carmelo Anthony to New York? Uh, The thing that I think about that is uh, you can't discount having the best offensive small forward and the best offensive power forward on the same team. You can't can't discount that. Now, they're still not going to play any D. D'Antoni's still an idiot. I, you know what, D'Antoni really makes me mad because he doesn't play his bench. He doesn't understand what a bench is. He doesn't understand what their value is. So they're going to underachieve and not win championships and jazz like that until he's out. But they have a good, nice foundation right now. And they get, the only great player or, or potentially really good player they gave up was Wilson Chandler. Wilson Chandler, mark my words, will ball out of control. And yeah, and uh, I think I think Gallinari has a certain appeal to him. I mean, he's Definitely. he's got he's got a nice shot, nice outside. I think he's gonna be ball. an injure head though, straight injure head. Mark mark it mark it down. Yeah, he's gonna be an injure head. He's gonna be injured all the time. Yeah, I, I I like I like the Knicks getting Carmelo Anthony. I mean, as far as their team, and I also like the idea that they brought over Chauncey Billups. Who's gonna, you know? I think he's gonna help ease the transition. Oh, that, because that's if the you, linchpin. Yeah, if you don't have a, uh, a guard moving the ball around and stuff like that and setting up the offense, Chauncey Billups, he he brings in some experience. He's played obviously with Carmelo Anthony. He kind of knows what they're getting into. Dude, he had 21, 8, and 6 the very first game. Yeah. Chauncey Billups showed up and balled. And I, I, I was uh, listening to some uh, sports talk, and they, were ta- they said that Carmelo Anthony in the pregame interview was visibly nervous. And it and I that kind of registered with me that idea that even though you could be so awesome, you could be dunking the ball every day of your entire life 
When you go to Madison Square Garden, when you go to New York, there's something there's something else. Like that's a that's another level that even even makes Carmelo Anthony nervous. And well, isn't he's originally from New York, yeah, right? Yeah, and there's all that hometown expectation, you know. I, I mean, I bet you Derek Rowe was suiting up for uh, for Chicago felt some of the same things. Um, the other, the but yeah, as far as that goes, I think New York made out, and I think Denver. People who think that Denver is in rebuilding mode, just watch Denver beat somebody's ass in the first round. So they're just gonna shock somebody in the first round, as long as they're not, they don't go up against like the Lakers or something like that. If they go up against the, the like Mavs, the Mavs will get broke off, like Nikolai Volkov. I'm, <laughs> I'm telling you that right now. And George Carl still feels like they're a playoff team, and why wouldn't you? They they still got yeah. a. Uh... They still got a lot of it. They scored 120 points without any of those new players. <laughs> right. Ty Lawson balled out of control. He, yeah, he looked know. he looked really good at uh, UNC, and he and he's really made a good transition to the pros. And he was just sitting there waiting for uh, Chauncey Billups to leave. Now he's got his chance. Yeah. And uh, I think I think they're still a very competitive team. Now the Nets, of course, the uh, the Russian owner that uh, came over from Russia. I, I love his story. He made all. He, he always alludes to, I survived uh, Russia in the 90s, and he, he kind of. <laughs> it's it's a weird thing where he basically doesn't flat out say he killed people, but kind of alludes to, I did what I had to do to get the job done. And maybe it's just that Russian accent makes you think they killed someone. <laughs> like, oh, okay, it must have been really evil. I learned something else about the guys never touch vodka. And that that I I feel like that's that's got to be cooked up. Like, I feel like accidentally you must have had it in <laughs> Russia at some point. Yeah. But he's this he's this uh, super I, super. Uh, I think he's a billionaire coming <laughs> over. Got the Nets. Of course the Nets are awful. <laughs> he gets uh he gets Jay Z as one of his uh, ownership partners. Yeah, I'm sure they have a lot to talk about. <laughs> right. What it, let, let's let's imagine a conversation between <laughs> Jay Z and the Russian owner of the Nets. You want me to be Jay Z? <laughs> yeah, well, I don't know. I can. I can oh, young, the owner. Young. What's up, Russian owner? <laughs> hey, Jay Z. That uh, Beyonce. That ass. It does not quit. <laughs> well, uh, young. Yeah, uh, I'm fucking Rihanna too. <laughs> yes. <laughs> That's a great term. We need Jay Z. <laughs> we must. We must get LeBron. <laughs> talk to. Talk to your friend LeBron. This is retarded. So no, now the. <laughs> yeah. Oh, that was a fail. That was that was wonderful. People out there really enjoyed that. They appreciate the they appreciate reasons. the attempt at the uh, <laughs> the, the riffing between the Russian owner and Jay Z. So now the Nets they get uh they get Darren Williams here uh, from the Jazz. Yeah. Uh, Didn't the they Jazz get, uh, get uh, Brandon Wright too from Golden State? Some kind of crazy way. I think uh, I think the Jazz get Devin Harris, Derek Favors, two first round picks from Golden State. I right up here it says uh, the Nets just got Darren Williams, but I wouldn't be. They was oh, kind of they got Troy Murphy. Other. Yeah, Troy Murphy uh, got traded from the Nets to Golden State for uh, Brandon Wright or somebody. Here's the deal: um, Darren Williams is really cool and he's very good at basketball and he's not gonna win anything ever uh, <laughs> until he gets out of there, dude. Like he should ball out of control the rest of the season, and uh, if he if he's a free agent in you know uh, the next year, he needs to get out. That, now what do you what do you think just in general the NBA now it seems like players I don't know if they're directly involved in collusion but players are kind of putting together these super teams or at least talking to each other well, yeah let's talk about and that. and setting up these super teams do you think that's going to hurt the long term effects do you think I'm, that's going to make the league not as competitive and and reduce parity I mean I, realistically the NBA has traditionally had some of the least parity of any major sport. 
Yeah, I mean, how many championships did the Celtics and Lakers win combined? Yeah, it's like it's in the 30s. I think. Yeah, it's insane. So I mean, so I I don't think that that's the major issue. I think the people in the so-called flyover states and stuff are content for the most part to root for their team against these super giants like Kobe and LeBron and stuff. I yeah. really think that's basically how the league works. The NFL people in Kansas City. There's somebody barbecuing right now for next season thinking the Chiefs are going to win the Super Bowl. Right. There is no one in the Charlotte Bobcats thinking that they're going to win next year. They're yeah, just, I they're think just as, chilling as, out, as much... making money on this giant carnival. Every year, you're a carnival. You have a, you have your own carnival act, but you have these superstar carnival acts like Kobe and everybody who comes right. to your you carnival Right, you have Cirque de Soleil. But yeah. hey, we still got the yeah. zipper on the off nights. So, you know what yeah, I'm saying? Well, I'll still go there. I'll go... Basically, people are looking for an excuse to go somewhere and get drunk. And organized sports have been providing that venue mm-hmm. for years upon years. And occasionally, through great drafting and being smart about your stuff, you have a San Antonio. San exactly. Antonio does not overpay, does not luxury tax, does not do any of that stuff. They build their team through the draft. They live in one of the worst markets in <laughs> yes. the world. Dude, they think a river walk is cool. That's where they <laughs> right, live. Yeah. That's where they live. They just walk along a river. They, they walk along eat a some river. some cotton candy. Yeah, and they think that's awesome. And they can they Tim Duncan has like what four rings? I knew a guy in college from San Antonio, and uh, <laughs> he had seven bullet holes in his truck, <laughs> and he just said, "Yeah, I was just chilling in back in San Antonio one day, and uh, a drive-by happened near where my truck was parked. I was in it." And I ducked and didn't get hit. I so that's that San Antonio. <laughs> <laughs> Anecdotal. I love how Logan had that San Antonio reference, that little uh, nugget tucked <laughs> loaded, away. Loaded. You... But, yeah, so I'm saying in the NBA, you can't say that you can't win in a small market. Look at Oklahoma. Oklahoma Look City Oklahoma put together City. A, a very competitive team. They got uh, Kevin Durant. They got Russell Westbrook. They got they got a good team there. Last year they had the lowest payroll in the entire league, and they almost beat the. Well, they people all, I can't also say they almost people beat the also forget that smaller market. The expectations are a lot smaller. So if they have a a good team, yeah, then they'll get really excited. But as long as you can get enough people in the seats to remain competitive and to turn a profit, which the NBA seems to be struggling with. So if, as long as they can maybe. Um, maybe divvy up some of the TV rights money and keep these other small market teams afloat. I, exactly. I, think, I think the long-term... Uh, I mean, the NFL, right. the NFL is the class of, of whatever because the very fact that a, a place with 100,000 shareholders owning a team could win the Super Bowl... Right. Bang. That is pretty cool that a city collectively, as much as I found Green Bay annoying because they beat the Eagles... And, of course, the Eagles were the closest to beating the Green Bay Packers. We, we don't need to get into that directly. Ah! But, uh, um, it, you know, that is kind of cool that an entire city owns a team. And, actually, this is a good transition. Wisconsin is now also home to a huge uh, labor um, labor disagreement. The uh, governor of Wisconsin, he's come in, and now he's trying to bust up all these unions have you you're familiar with it, Ed? I'm not. Okay, well, basically the Wisconsin governor has come in. He's basically trying to, honestly, he's trying to bust up the unions, particularly the teachers' union and uh, all these other unions. He wants them to have their pensions cut. He wants you know less money. He wants to basically dissolve the unions. Obviously, he's a, he's a Republican, so he's going up against the democratic funding like uh, what happens is these uh the democrat teacher unions they generate a lot of money the unions and then they take that money and then lobby 
legislators to, you know, basically further the interests of, um, you know, their teachers union. And I don't understand. I don't understand why there is a teachers union to begin with. Okay, I understand why maybe there's a coal miners union back in the day, but really, why do why do teachers need to be tenured and have a union as well? So, okay, you're a teacher, you work there for three years, you're guaranteed a job for life, basically, and then you also have a union? I don't understand. Well, did the get... union get their tenure, though? I think okay, that might maybe, be a chicken yeah. and the egg type thing. Right, all right, but let's say we get rid of the union and you still keep the tenure. I don't think you need both those protections and i think yeah if the state's doing not as good i think it's fair to say okay we're not going to keep raising your salary or we're going to remove tenure and get rid of some of these low performing teachers i don't i don't think that's too much to um well, I, contend I think, with i think i think tenure in regards to teaching honestly i think tenure in regards to teaching should be like a free agency type thing like in basketball basketball has taught me a lot of things uh one thing is you have to be able to re up and have like free agents and stuff. You know what I mean? You a, a, a teacher that performs consistently to the when they take the little stats, they ask the kids, they look at the test scores, and this dude is a LeBron James of teaching. Yeah. He needs to be able to get out of whatever contract he's at at the school and go to a better school. He yeah. needs to be able to do that. And schools need to have the have like a franchise tag or something. Like, <laughs> yeah. Yeah. We're gonna keep this guy. We're gonna give him such a. You know, it needs to be a real like really great teachers need to be like superstars. Right. And that's how they need to right. earn and that, their and that's money. Right, and that's a problem. That's when, how they need to earn when you, money. When you go against uh, – when you say like, oh, get rid of the teachers union or let's get rid of some of these low-performing teachers, what happens is there are tons of great teachers, and I think there is something noble to the profession of like, hey, I'm going to lock myself in this uh, th- this small room with 39-year-olds and try to teach them. There's uh, there's definitely something there, and, and great teachers do really have an effect on people in this country, and they should be rewarded. I don't – you know, unions, it's all about rewarding seniority and not rewarding meritocracy. Like, you're mm-hmm. rewarded for how many years you're there, not necessarily how good of a job you're doing. That's well, the, not American. Yeah, and also, but the, the devil's advocate to that, though, is there are certain people who choose to work in low-performing schools. And right. Their, and their so-called population of people that they're teaching are either like ESL or super ghetto and that or super hillbilly or whatever makes you not be able to learn. Yeah, and they they stay in those schools and gradually creep up in the numbers, and they they plug away, you know, like Spartans or whatever. Yeah. At this, no, at yeah, this, I mean, know, and if if they were judged by certain you know so-called meritocracy standards, they might not be able to keep their job. Right. Even though they're the only ones who want to go down to freaking Beirut and teach these fuckers something. Yeah. No. Yeah. So, I know. I, I know mean, what you mean. It's hard. The metrics for teaching. Right. Success F- finding are uh, weird. finding an easy formula as to how good of a teacher you are is probably not an an easy job. But I think we should kind of evaluate weed out people that are there I, I feel like i know teachers that are just yeah man i get yeah, a summer just, vacation yeah i got a college degree don't really know what i'm doing i'm just you know hanging i just follow the course syllabus there's people like that that yeah. i feel like if anything not necessarily get rid of them but at least not keep rewarding them on the same level of well, teachers yeah, yeah. that are really busting their ass yeah ha- having it be like a two or three year stint or something like that or even one or even yearly stints you know yearly contract for teachers yeah. might encourage them right to really or maybe put into the maybe job. like a three-year deal you're a free agent you you sign with this new school okay hey we'll see how things are going we'll reevaluate the team see what you've done in three years see what you've done to this particular grade maybe it's not all test scores maybe it's what uh, parents yeah. have been saying you know yeah, yeah looks, I, feel, I feel like we can figure it out yeah, it looks like our seniors are getting their academic shots blocked we're gonna have to let you <laughs> yes, go exactly <laughs> they just got rejected by life <laughs> <laughs> oh man good times 
you're figuring it all out here on the green room. All right, well, the, here's the uh, the Wisconsin governor was actually caught. I don't, I don't know how they can do this, but this uh, left uh, liberal leaning journalist uh, said he called in as a uh, or claimed that he was like this wealthy. Uh, donor to the Republican Party and basically kind of, you know, set right. him up to really, he basically, you know, oh, I gotta hear he this. sets him up. This is about public sector unions. You essentially are having taxpayers' money be used to pay to lobby for spending more of taxpayers' money. It's absolutely ridiculous. <laughs> and that's, and then people are like, oh, we got him. We got him. Yes, it was a very obvious that he was trying to crush the union. That's why he was saying no more unions. And then now there's like this, you know, there's all Wait, these that, crazy. That that's the controversial part. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Yeah, I, don't even, I don't even think. Well, there's that's that's controversial. <laughs> um, basically, admitting that he was trying to cut the unions down and to crush unions when before he was saying, okay, this is just a money. Uh, we're just looking to save money. We're not looking to get rid of the union. This was their right. big gotcha moment. Oh, you are trying to get rid of the unions. But yeah, I mean, that's... the unions would save the money, according to him. Right, and their argument is, okay, he's doing this to, uh, you know, knock down the Democratic Party because the unions are a big funding of it. The moral of the story is, uh, you know, it's politics, and we're we're all it's. it's <laughs> where's it Where's it gonna end, man? I just I just want to hear some stud manly stud. Are you there? Hey, John. Hey, man, how's it going? <laughs> It's going fine. <laughs> All right, How good. Are you? Good to hear from you, Stud. Hey, I got a little, uh, I got a little intro music here for your special uh, Oscar edition of uh, reviewing movies. Oh, that's wonderful. <laughs> All right, Stud oh, Manley. That made my heart stop beating. Thank you so much. That's so wonderful. Now, um, I know a lot of uh, a lot of the big films are up for Oscars this year. What's what's your take on that situation? Well, John, to be honest with you, um, there's ten films up for you know they do ten films now that are nominated for Oscars. I don't think any of the ten films this year uh, deserve an Oscar nomination. <laughs> no, but wait, what about uh, what about Toy Story three? I thought that was a really great film. <laughs> Got 99 on Rotten Tomatoes. A lot of great actors in it. Don Rickles is in it. Mr. Potato Head. Well, Mr. Potato Head, I have to admit, he's a wonderful character, and everyone <laughs> loves Mr. Potato Head. But the problem with this movie, Sean, and you know this, you're a sophisticated uh, Hollywood eye, just like myself, this is a cartoon movie. Yeah. And how can you give right. a cartoon movie an Oscar if half the audience is either pooping in their pants or, <laughs> or eating their own boogers, okay? You know what I mean, right? Right, I hear you, man. Roger Ebert, you never see Roger Ebert eating his burgers, you know, while he's doing his TV show. Well, especially... I actually saw that movie with a date. But oh, you did? Yeah. Well, How'd it she go? was picking her boogers the whole time. <laughs> really? Who was that? Who was I talking? Who was that? Logan Logan was talking about he took a... Uh, oh, Logan. Yo. Logan. Uh, What's up, stud? Are you okay? I heard about what happened. I heard a little bit of the show last week. Uh, some, <laughs> oh, yeah, Logan. I didn't hear... Some what, me murdering Cornell? <laughs> yeah, Logan. Uh, uh, <clears throat> Logan allegedly had a stint in rehab. That's why he was out uh, two weeks from before. There were some haiku battles. You you have to download the previous episodes to okay, get caught up. Okay, all right. Now, um, you know that that was a CGI movie, an animated film, as you like to call it. I I really enjoyed the uh, gritty boxing story, The Fighter. What what was your take on that film, Stud? Well, okay, I'll, it, this is a, the The Fighter. It's a biopic about boxing and crack. Okay, and it's like a sub. Uh, 
text there with the crack cocaine. And uh, everyone is saying that Christian Bale is going to win Best Supporting Actor, and I'm sure it was a very wonderful performance. But at what cost? That's my question about this. You've heard the stories. Of you're in Hollywood just like uh, me and Logan. You're the same. We've heard the, core, the, the, the stories about how Christian Bale, he never wrote character until the movie was finished. Right. But the stories that I've heard, and I don't know if any of your audience has heard, is that in between takes, he was going to the African-American crew members on the film, and he was sucking their penises. Oh, man. So you're saying he was that desperate to score crack and remain in character for the fighter that he was performing fellatio on African-American crew members in the fighter? Yes. (laughs) Well, man, Stud Manley outwitting TMZ once again. But, I mean, Stud, you, you know, some of these blockbusters, they were still pretty good films. Like like Inception, yeah, it was a big-budget movie, but it was still a great movie. Well, I guess I, I saw the, the trailer. There were some special effects there. I will admit that. But this movie, Sean, okay. <laughs> he, will, about... he will admit there were special effects in the... Okay. <laughs> you know, it's about, this movie's about, you know, who's asleep, who's not asleep, who's dreaming, who's not dreaming. Nobody really cares about that. <laughs> now, what I would have done if I'd have made this movie, and I'm thinking maybe I could make a sequel, you might want to get involved in this, okay? Sure. Is instead of casting, you know, Leonardo DiCaprio was the star of this film, but if me and you were to get together and get the funding, we could... Instead of putting Leonardo DiCaprio, we could put like a squirrel monkey in a dress, you know, to star that movie, and everybody, you know, would love this movie because everybody just loves, you know, like monkeys, you know, squirrel monkeys or chimpanzees in dresses, right? Right. You agree? <laughs> yeah, no, I mean, if you look at YouTube, I mean, it's mostly chimpanzees in dresses and uh, squirrels doing funny stuff and guys getting hit in the nuts with breaks. So, yeah, I get, I get what you mean. They're wasting a lot on this uh, Matt Damon character. They don't need to pay his salary that's right that's why this that's why i do my reviews on your show show and i don't go over there and do ebert you know <laughs> yeah. it's not because he looks like elephant man anymore <laughs> you know i do this you know on, the, on your show because you're sophisticated and intellectual you know and thank you so much for having me here oh well anytime stud but well, what about this uh kids are all right i wasn't able to see that film uh what was that about well, this this is a movie, okay, of course I didn't see it myself, but it's a movie we've all, you know, we all know about it. It's a movie about lesbians adopting children. Oh, and yes. And we all know how, you know, the left-wing media and the government, you know, left-wing government is always going on and on about how these wonderful lesbians are adopting all these children. But what the left-wing media and the government never mentions is how many of these little children are drowning in swimming pools, are, are, are falling out of skyscraper windows while their lesbian mothers are in the bedroom rubbing their vaginas together. <laughs> oh, man. So you're saying scissoring is leading to more children's death than, uh, with, than a, the, the mainstream media is led on to belief. Is that the term scissoring? I <laughs> yes, I, I, I picked it up from South Park. Oh, okay. Now, now, uh, now, Stud, everyone seemed to be hands down, everyone seemed to agree that The Social Network was really the movie of the year. Do you think it's got a shot to win the Oscar, and why or why not? Well, now, Aaron Sorkin, he wrote this film. Everybody knows he's a very good left-wing writer, and every, you know, and he's very good about stuff like that. And I'm not going to say he's not a bad writer. Right. But what this movie is about is some ugly guy, okay, Mark Zuckerberg, you know, that directed 
uh, he invented Facebook, right? Mm-hmm. You know, I don't think anybody really cares about that. <laughs> I think, like, if you're not interested in the other film that uh, we were talking about doing, maybe, I mean, you might be able to get together and uh, make, a, make a sequel or just remake this movie. But what we would do, you know, the social network, is we would make it like computer animation or stop-motion animation and make Mark Zuckerberg... A gerbil, okay, living in Richard Gere's butthole, okay, you know. Oh, and that then, would. You know, okay, yeah. What? Well, I'd say that would that would be a unique twist. I definitely like that premise. Well, yeah, he can't, you know, he can't get out of, you know, Richard Gere's smelly butthole. You know, it stinks in there. He, you know, he can't socialize. Nobody wants to be with him, so he invents Facebook, you know, so he can network with these other gerbils living in other, you know, buttholes, okay, you know. All right. What do you well, <laughs> he is the he is the ultimate outcast as a CGI gerbil shoved up Richard Gere's ass, and he's looking yeah. to socialize. Yeah, you know it's pertinent. It's got a lot going for it, and uh, yeah, I I, I greenlight that project, Stud, for sure. Thank you, thank you. All right, well, Stud, uh, thank you, and uh, appreciate your take on the Oscars. I'm gonna play out with some of your music here. Thank you so much, and I love you all so much. Thank you. <laughs> This has been a stud manly presentation. Ah, uh, that was just that was just pure gold, you know. Like sometimes national trend, Sometimes yeah. you can take <laughs> life really serious, and sometimes it's better to just be a little silly. Speaking of that, I I got to read this email before we get off the air. Last week we had on the double rainbow guy, and he was uh, we're just checking back in, see what he's been up to. I guess he's uh, chasing some more rainbows. But he sent me this email that was really good. Afterwards, I emailed him like, hey, Double Rainbow Guy, or I call him Bear. It's like, hey, thanks for coming on the show. He wrote back, anytime, Sean. Next time I come down, I'll call ahead of time to see if we can hang out. By the way, I saw a rainbow on my way into L.A. yesterday. (laughs) I drove through L.A. on my way back from San Diego. I saw a rainbow in Lake Elsinore on February 16th. I shot some video of it, and it'll eventually make it into one of my videos. Remember how that guy called into your show about the miners and I prayed for them and they all made it out safely? I have no idea what he's talking about here. Prayer works. I'm not <laughs> saying it was only my prayer that made that happen, but you have to admit it didn't hurt. I'm yeah, sure he didn't. That was another show. It must be right. Yeah, he probably got me confused with Good Day LA or whatever other show he's been on a media tour. Tosh point up. Plan a trip to Yosemite. I can tell you where to stay and we can hang out and do some bits up there. It'll be epic. So, I will be planning a trip to Yosemite, and I will <laughs> nice. go camping with the double rainbow guy, yes. and I have a feeling it will be epic. Logan, you want to wrap things up here with a well, haiku? Well, first of all, let's mention oh, that yeah. Sorry, we got a movie you... coming out. Yes, of course. Uh, Logan directed a documentary about the Comedy Garage. It will be available on uh, IndieFlix.com March 15th. Is that correct, Logan? That's right. All right, so make sure you check that out. We'll be, uh, we'll and be... the Comedy Garage, for those of you who don't know, is something that Sean started with a bunch of his comedian friends. Edgar is a big part of it, although yep. he's not in the movie. <laughs> Damn it. Yeah, but, thanks. Uh, he'll be in the sequel. All That's right. Cool. Uh, yeah, so March 15th, look for that. Okay, March 15th, dropping. All right, Logan, uh, let's get this haiku going. Casual crack smoke. So that's San Antonio. <laughs> Facebook butt gerbils. <laughs> All right, man. Uh, thank you, Logan. And uh, Ed, where can we get more Ed Greer? 
Uh, you can go to my website, supportdestruction.com. Supportdestruction.com. All right, make sure you check that out. And uh, next week, we got uh, Eddie Pepitone coming in studio. So if you don't know who that is, make sure you Google him. He's uh, quite the character. And, of course, March 12th, I'll be in Philadelphia. You can get tickets at SeanTGreen.com. Thank you, everyone. This has been The Green Room. Listening to the Green Room. Don't forget to check out SeanTGreen.com and click the iTunes link to subscribe today. Also, be sure to check me out at DocumentaryLabel.com.